You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. Let's do it later. Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes. Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. On this week's episode, Dave DeFore joins the show to look back at the season shut down one month ago and under what circumstances it could return, plus which players exceeded expectations and which pacer would win a competition of horse. Today's episode of the Fieldhouse Files is brought to you by Remarkably Remote, a new daily microcast from the experts at GoToMeeting, all about making work from home work for you. With indispensable intel on how to stay sane, motivated, and productive at home, we're here to help you in this brave new remote working world. Find us on smart speakers or subscribe on your favorite podcasting app. You can listen at gotomeeting.com slash tips. That's gotomeeting.com slash tips. And welcome into another episode of The Fieldhouse Files. I'm Scott Agnes. Can you believe it? It has been basically a month. We've been away from basketball for four weeks now. It was a month ago where I was sitting at Banker's Life Fieldhouse, not for a Pacer game, but for the Big Ten Tournament. It had just tipped off that Wednesday night, and then that email comes in from the NBA that, well, the rest of the season is up in the air, and that's still where we are at at this point. But the content continues. I encourage you to check out my work, everyone else's work. Colts, plenty of coverage there, Indiana stuff as well, all at theathletic.com. You can use our promo code, theathletic.com slash fieldhousefiles to get 40% off the annual price. Or the bosses are doing something really cool right now. We understand everyone's in a tough spot. You can even join right now with a 90-day free trial. Get all access to all our content for 90 days. All right, now let's bring in Dave DeFore, who rejoins the program Dave, first of all, how are you doing, and how have you kept busy, my man? Oh man, I'm. You know, I feel a little guilty saying this, but but other people have told me I shouldn't. I'm doing really well, honestly. I, I feel really great. That's nothing they, to feel bad about. No, but we're all I feel in different guilty. spots. So the reason I feel guilty is my life hasn't really been disrupted that much. I don't have children, sure. so I didn't have to deal with school stuff. I already work from home. Um, the things I'm missing are so, you know, small time. And really I'm only missing the experience of going to restaurants. Like I like to go out and, you know, we have a good time, but we're still getting the food from our local restaurants that we love. We just eat it at home. Um, but honestly, I'm doing great. I've had all this free time. I've been working on my motorcycle. I've been working on my van again. I'm learning how to code in Swift. I'm learning, learning how to draw in CAD, for uh, my CNC router that I just purchased since I anticipate a lot of free time. I uh, taught myself how to make sourdough bread from scratch and then to get it exactly the way I wanted it. Um, it's been a productive month for me. It's been well, fun. Well, first of all, I appreciate the honesty, but at yeah. the same time, and this is a real conversation. I've seen people mention it on Twitter. 
we're all in different stages. We're all handling it differently. 100%. Some of us know people sick. Some of us are having financial problems. Some of us mm-hmm. are missing work. Whatever it is, we're all going through something. But I, I would agree with you. I'm kind of in that same boat. The bosses are great. We still have mm-hmm. plenty to write and content to put out. Biggest thing we're missing, or at least I am to speak for myself here, is, is those games and the practices. Yeah. Otherwise, guess what? I'm still in my home office. I'm still producing content and recording a podcast and, and talking with people and doing TV interviews locally. I just did one today via my computer. It's actually easier. I don't have to get in the car and right. try, drive over to the studio. And what people may not realize, unless they just pure, purely watch it, those things last about four minutes. It takes four times that to get there, then record it, then drive home. So um, otherwise, things are going well. Um, so no complaints there. I, what I was telling you right would be right before we recorded this, um, outside of the sports world, there's no lack of content. I'll tell you what, so many good podcasts, so many good <laughs> conversations, even outside of sports. The one thing, and I got to call myself out on, because hopefully I'll change it, is I still haven't opened a page this year. Oh, I set no. A, I set a goal to read two books a month, and I, I don't have an excuse this month. Previously, it was obviously the grind of the travel and all of that. Still haven't opened a page, and I got to do that this week. You know, I have a book that I love sitting on my desk right next to me because I promised myself I'd re I would reread it during the off season. This was, I put it here two months ago. <laughs> it's called, uh, trout fishing in America by, uh, Richard Brodigan. It is an American classic. You've got to read it. Um, and it's very short and yet here it sits. Mm-hmm. 28 days since the NBA season stopped. <laughs> I'm glad it's not just me. And I think no. I think what I need to do is not save it for the end of the day because by saving it for the end of the day, by that point, I'd probably stare at technology for 10 hours mm-hmm. and I just want to rest my eyes so I don't want to read. And yeah. so maybe knock it out in the morning. I'll tell you, I got a bookshelf uh, full of stuff. In fact, today arriving from Amazon, I, I really have bad, I'm big into tech. And so I really wanted to read about mm-hmm. the Steve Jobs book. And I saw there was a new Jeff Bezos book. And since he's dominating right now, I thought those would be good. Two more that I'll add to the collection of stuff unread. So let's both change that, all right? <laughs> there you go. That By the next time we talk, I will have read at least one page of this book. <laughs> well, now let's let's look back. A month ago, um, like I said, I was at Banker's Life Fieldhouse. Um, I was following closely the Utah-Oklahoma City situation, and I, uh, the local story that I connect with there is the guy who sprinted out to the court for Oklahoma City, their director of medical, Donnie Strack, Reggie's ball boy. And unfortunately, it pisses me off. I can't explain it enough how OKC refuses to make him available just to tell his story. And for those that don't know, the Thunder are very private about everything, about everyone. I even mentioned I wouldn't talk anything about Thunder they don't care. I thought he was a, an interesting story that would be worth sharing. But So it's been a month looking back at how that night was handled and then how Adam Silver, I think, in his car, uh, getting home in New York City, ultimately on his own without the Board of Governors, said, yeah, this is it. Let's suspend the season. How do you feel about that now looking back? Um, it's easy to play Monday morning quarterback and say that they everyone should have canceled everything earlier. Uh, I think with the NBA, they did stop the earliest of all the sports leagues. They stopped before a lot of concerts stopped. So I think mm-hmm. being first is hard. And obviously our economy is you know, is driven by stuff like this. And so it's tough to say, hey, we know we're going to suffer a, fi- a big financial loss. But we need to do the right thing and, and stop this. Um, I was calling for them to stop it a few days earlier. 
because I've looked at the science. I mean, on on my show, Nerder She Wrote, we've now done a couple of episodes with an epidemiologist and an infectious disease expert. So, you know, I've been up on this and I've I've been following this thing and just watching the spread. When they were shutting down soccer in Europe, that's when everything should have shut down here. Yeah. Uh, in an ideal scenario, you know, where people say, you know what, we can we can mitigate this early if we just shut it down now. Um, the the thing that was odd to me, and this isn't NBA related, but then after the they did that, the next day, the Big East at Medicine Square Garden got a half into games, right? And I thought that was uncalled for. After the point, NBA, the most the, the timing, you can argue that the best thing about it was they were ahead of everyone, meaning yeah. they're the big guy and everybody kind of follows their lead. And I thought that was important, right? And and, and it was important for them to lead the way and also to make it okay. Right. Because it's, everyone is criticizing tough. the Ivy League leading into right. that point, myself included. I was like, yeah, let's hold out. Let's let's see until we get a little more facts, a little more issues. Um, so I, I, I even was there the night before. It was Pacers-Celtics. It felt mm-hmm. weird, but it didn't, in my mind, being brutally honest, I didn't think, yeah, we shouldn't be here. We shouldn't be playing games. Um, we were protective. We were maintaining distance. While odd, that didn't cross my mind yet. Yeah. I mean, we were all ignorant, you know, unless and maybe you, we wanted to ignore it and be like, yeah, hey, you know what? I'm, this is my life. Of course I want games. Well, I, I've got I mean, I've got takes on on the uh, American exceptionalism, you know, internal monologue that goes on where where we all look at things that happen elsewhere. Yeah. And we just say, well, it's not going to happen here. I get it. I get it. And and those the oceans that we've we're surrounded by really have helped bolster that feeling. Um, but the, the truth is this thing was already here, you know, it it was here in, in February, uh, for sure, probably here December or January, to be honest with you, because they weren't looking for it and yeah, shutting down was hard and they shut down early. And I think that we, you know, we should give them a break and say, listen, no, nobody knew what was happening and they wound up doing the right thing. So now spinning it forward, we don't know what's next, and I think anyone that tries to make a prediction, they don't know what they're doing. I love uh, Kirk Herbstreet, uh, who calls games, college football for ABC, and I think a couple weeks ago he was saying, hey, wouldn't surprise me if we don't have a college football season, things like that. And he may be right, but it's purely a guess. So let's let's take an optimistic viewpoint. Um Say in June, say in July, do you trust uh, NBA to make the right decision whether it is returning or not, and who do you think they'll cater to most in this? Meaning, try to get their media partners games again because that mm-hmm. results in money, so both parties benefit there. Open up the arenas, which I really can't see happening, right? Um, and also maybe just the players, and they want the game back as well. well I think, yeah, ultimately it is going to be about money. That's going to be the first thing anyone's thinking about. Now, as far as trusting the NBA, do I trust the NBA to get it right? Not necessarily. Why is that? Because I do. Well, here's here's what I'm going to say. I trust the experts, the epidemiologists, the infectious disease experts. Right. That's to get who, it right. That's who we should be trusting now, at this point. Yep. Right. Now, the the question really needs to be: Do we trust the NBA to trust those people? Yes. But if the NBA is trusting the money people, then you can't trust the NBA. Does that make sense? 
It does. Yeah. Right. Yeah. I, I think so. Again, as long as they follow the guidance, the real guidance, then then yeah, you can trust the NBA to do the right thing for society. And should it come back, I, I've kind of gone off in thinking no longer that you could come back with a true regular season, finish it out. Like if I'm the, if you're the, I don't know, Chicago Bulls or any name any team out of the playoff picture, why would you even want to come back for four games, for five games, for 12 games, right? Like I can't right. see that happening. I think you have to go probably right into the playoffs, and if not, maybe a couple of those teams that are already in the playoff full play a couple of tune-up games, if you wish, after uh, uh, some kind of mini camp. And then what really makes sense to me is what, let's get rid of best of seven and make it permanent in the first round. We don't need to see that. We don't need to see the one <laughs> versus eight win in five games and keep it moving. Well, so, you know, it's funny. The fewer games you play, the more more variance and outcomes you would get. So best of three gives you more chance of an upset. Mm-hmm. I think an upset is good. I don't know if it's necessarily you want to do best of three, but best of five in the first round, maybe best of five in the second round. And then once you get to the conference finals in the finals, go best of seven. I, I think that, you know, you could do that and still feel like you got a good winner and maybe even get a non-favored team, you know, to make a run, which adds to the excitement. People would be, you know, if Memphis somehow knocked off the Lakers in the first round of the playoffs, it would be a huge story. Of course, you lose the Lakers right. and all that, all that, all those eyes, uh, but you build Memphis and you get this exciting thing. I do um, laugh, but what we don't know, Dave, is how these players will look when they return. I trust, true. I actually do trust that LeBron, no matter the, his age, will come back and look relatively okay. It's more so those other guys, that fourth and fifth man, the seventh man. What are they going to look like where they're away from a gym, they're not shooting, who knows if they really care enough to lift weights. They're probably running on a treadmill, but is there anything else? I don't know. I, you know, I think these guys, they're basketball players, and basketball players are going to play basketball. They're going to find a way to get shots up. Mm-hmm. They're going to figure this out, and, and especially when you're in isolation like we all are, um, you know, there's a lot of solace in that. I, I've been dying because all I want to do is go out and, and get some shots up. All the outdoor courts <laughs> I know. in San Antonio are shut down. Um, I could go. You know, I do have access to a gym, um, but it, it – there's a lot of there's a lot of people and I'm trying to do my best, you know, for for my neighbors. But, uh, man, I, I so I feel it. These guys are going to be able to do that. They're going to be able to get shots up. So the shots probably won't be too bad. I, I bet the conditioning is bad. Um, but, you know, here's my other idea. You, you want to hear my other idea for bringing it back and getting a champion? Absolutely. I'm all for okay. it. OK, a 30 team single elimination tournament. Top two, two teams get a first round by and you do one to 30. Um, and do it March Madness style. I do it over the course of a few weekends, and you really you you would have it would be incredible. And, and put an asterisk on the title, but it would be so much fun. I mean, you want to talk about joy of the game? Really, really giving something to people because it it'll be better than just doing a playoff for a season that never really existed. Uh, I think that that would. That would be really good, but then there's the logistical part of bringing bringing these guys back anytime soon, that I think is insurmountable. But that's how I would do it. If if they felt the need to crown a champion for for this past season, I would do it like that. 
Yeah, it, and that's a whole nother conversation we could talk about for 45 minutes of them getting together and probably reinforces the idea that if you can minimize the number of teams you need, whether it's 8, whether it's 10, 16, to continue on, there you're probably um, better off. But my, I don't mind the idea initially because it's a screwy season already. We all admit that no matter who wins – it'll still not quite carry the same weight as winning a normal title, right? But for me, I, I will admit I'm more of a traditionalist, and I, I, hate the, I would hate the fact for the teams like the Lakers, like the Nuggets, like the Bucks, like the Clippers, that they did the regular season for what, right? Because it ultimately doesn't matter for the most part. You get seeding. You would, as you mentioned, you have that buy that works in your favor. And thinking business and money smarts, you're limiting a ton of playoff games by doing single elimination and things like that. So that's why I don't imagine they would buy a concept like that, even though it combines the best of both worlds, NBA players and kind of the March Madness type tournament where every game truly matters. I mean, you would be watching Magic by with against the Hornets intently on a Monday night. It would be it would be insane. It mm-hmm. would be the greatest yeah. basketball television of all time. <laughs> They would make a trillion dollars. Maybe not. Don't quote me on the the math on that. But they would make so much money from that. It would be incredible. And especially, like, you want to talk about getting a guy like LeBron James on board with it. That's a legacy builder. You gotta go. You gotta go win these games to win the title. Mm-hmm. None of the none of this jockeying for position to get you know getting into the playoffs. No coasting in the first round series because. You know, you know, you're, they're not going to beat you four times, and you can turn it on. You have to bring it every single night. I think if, it would be amazing if you're trying to create the most fun. No question, that would be it. Part of me, though, does like the fact that those top teams would have somewhat of a tune-up to their schedule. You would think, right, with the in the postseason. I don't know. I, well, I they still say, should I, have a tune-up. You know, if if the Lakers oh, it'll be are needed. playing, yeah. although although I will point out um, that the Warriors would be the current number thirty team mm-hmm. in this in this tournament, and Steph Curry, Klay Thompson <laughs> would be back. That so, changes everything. Uh, yeah. So I don't know. I. I I'd like to see it. Let's put it that way. I'd like to see it. <laughs> yeah, no argument there in terms of how it would be uh, fun to watch. Um, I should note, the Pacers really haven't announced anything to what extent they're helping employees. Um, they are doing a lot of things, I can assure you, behind the scenes, trying to take care of people. We did see uh, Jim Irsay and Herb Simon, or really the Pacers, come out and say, you know, if they can raise $200,000 uh, for the local community, they'll chip in another 420 for 12 local community centers that really need it. Um, also, those that were scheduled to work the Big Ten, they were already paid. Pacers are paying all employees that were scheduled to work March events. And then this is where it gets interesting. For the home games in April, they're paying part-time employees who worked at least 40% of Pacer games this season three hours per game. So they are getting taken care of to not a full extent, but um, that's what employees were alerted to a couple weeks ago, I think it was, um, in, in an email. Uh, one of my most recent stories I want to discuss with you, Dave, is uh, before the year I kind of threw out one question, one burning question, if you will, for each player 
on the roster, and I thought, well, right now the season may not be back. It's certainly in jeopardy. Might as well start this end-of-the-season content and kind of look ahead to to the offseason, and so I started with revisiting those questions. So I thought it'd be good to go back through those. Taking a look at this roster, Dave, who has stood out to you as far as exceeding your expectations entering the season? Uh, I mean, anybody who's listened to this podcast knows who my answer is going to be. Bonus Sabonis? Sabonis. <laughs> yep. No bonus Sabonis. No question. Uh, he earned a bonus, um, you know, and made me look like a fool. Uh, but well, we... I think I'll start with Sabonis. Uh, just an incredible season from him. And, you know, Nate Duncan's a buddy of mine. I think that oh, Pacer fans do not like him, Dave. That he one and I tweet disagree set him off. on on whether Sabonis should be an All Star. Clearly, he had an All Star season. I understand what Nate was trying to say though, um, because it's how I felt about Sabonis coming into the year. But you can't argue the season he had was fantastic, and I I mean I was wrong, dead wrong about <laughs> about what it was going to look like. And he carried this team. He and Malcolm Brogdon carried this team. When when Miles Turner was out and before Victor Oladipo came back, they were incredible. Yeah, he undoubtedly played at an all star level. I think realistically he would not be an all star if other teams, other players had full bill of health. For instance, that spot would be Victor's. No question. Right. Um, If Victor was healthy and playing at his normal level, he was he was kind of. uh, We saw Domas kind of maximize his circumstance, I think, if you will. He played outstanding. Uh, took his role to a greater level now in the starting lineup with more minutes um, and that, and then also guys being out of other teams. And so, of course, they're going to reward somebody on the Pacers. Yep. Going down, I'll I'll go next on my list. I'm going to go Justin Holiday. He was one of the last signings for this team, and he basically was the utility, the Swiss Army knife for this group. I mean, he played; he's more of a natural two, and played probably more at the four position. He was the best uh, field goal percent shooter from outside this year. Incredible there. I think he helped Aaron Holiday, and he essentially solidified himself almost really as the sixth man of this group. So, a guy that's only played on one-year deals for his career, I think. Depending on how the cap and everything looks for other teams, I think he he's should be in consideration for his first multi-year deal. Yeah, I agree with you. I think I think he for sure should not have to worry. He's going to be on a roster next year. How about you? Did anyone else jump out at you? you got another player or two? Uh, I mean, Brogdon, of course. I, I could. I, he was for the first couple months, and again, mm-hmm. it wasn't his fault. But I don't put him in that category only because of his availability, and that was an right. issue. The injuries, yeah, completely. the injuries. But still, I mean, I, I think that his production when he was on the court is worth noting. Uh, Jeremy Lamb was pretty good. Um, yeah, I think kind of hit everybody. Uh, Aaron th- Holiday, we we talked about a little bit before, was up and down. Well, down and then up, we should say. Yeah, he he's a guy that is kind of right in the middle of everything. He he showed some bright spots, especially towards the end of the year. I think it helped that T.J. McConnell was there to push him along, um, challenge him originally. I think that that was something they looked forward to, um, and now they kind of carved out each, their own roles respectively. I would throw uh, McConnell in there separately. I think he completely uh, exceeded expectations I had for him. My question going into it was something like, what's his role? Can he carve out minutes? And yeah, absolutely can. And he was good for 20-some minutes per game. I think T.J. Warren 
surprised me defensively. The way he was able to defend for this team, uh, far different than anything he did in Phoenix. <laughs> that was the great unknown. We knew what he could do offensively, so that didn't surprise. It's 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 fun to watch, but it didn't surprise. But defensively, I think he kind of embraced after the first month or two. Kind of really just took him a while for it to click of where he should be, what he should do. There's countless times I saw Dan Burke, the assistant coach, kind of push him into place. He he's not a, a a top 10 two-way player or anything like that by any means, but he was asked to defend, and I thought he did fairly well on a team that really lacked an outstanding elite wing defender. That was something where he he filled in nicely there. Yeah, I I agree. I agree. I I think one of the things that we know Nate McMillan asked for is to fight. He he doesn't ask you to be an, an amazing defender. But you have to try hard, and TJ really, I mean, you could see it. The effort level on defense way higher than it was in Phoenix. I th- uh, I would you could throw in Doug McDermott I think, but it was more so he kind of just regained his, his where he's at. He is did put mm-hmm. up career numbers. He's shooting the best that he has in his career um from distance. I I chalk that up more so with continuity within the same franchise for the second straight year being looked upon to contribute more. Um so it wasn't necessarily surprising, but he did answer that question. Well, and you know what? Also, getting more time playing as almost a small four-man when he was out there with Sabonis as a center. Um, you know, they would guard him with a with a smaller wing that he was able to shoot over the top of. And so I think, you know, just little tweaks like that really helped him. And, and you know, he took, the, took advantage of the opportunities. In terms of the uh, next group, I would say maybe players that their performance was incomplete. And I think right now you'd, I'd start with Goga Pataze, the first-round pick. I thought he'd play about 18 minutes per game. Um, he barely played half that, um, really was in and out of the lineup and, and really struggled just at the jump because he didn't have his visa. So he was um, knocked out of summer league, was unable to participate there. Then by the time he came here, everybody was gone for the summer, essentially, in mid-July. Plus he's a rookie, plus he's a big man living in the U.S. for the first time. And he's got both Sabonis and Turner in front of him. Um, I wouldn't call it a, a bad year, but it certainly was an underwhelming showing from him as he's trying to learn the NBA game. Uh, yeah, I, I thought he was more ready than this for the league. That's what everybody told us. I remember, I remember yep. being at Summer League talking to Fran Frischilla, and he was like, look, most big men aren't quite ready. Goga is ready. I watched <laughs> the tape. Yeah. I mean, I saw, I saw everything he did and uh, really thought he was going to be ready to at least – you know, be a, a viable backup for Miles Turner and uh, possibly makes a bonus, you know, a little bit easier to get rid of uh, internally. Um, but no, he, he's, he's not. The defense, while he picked it up a little bit, it, it's still pretty clear he's a, he's a ways away. Yeah, still a step slow. And the other thing, and I, I think I've said this on the podcast and on other shows, the fact that you can see him overthinking things offensively. He'll get the ball high post and then not even look at the basket. He's like, all right, now what do I do? What's basically going through the motions rather than reading and reacting? And part of that's being a rookie, but th- that's an area where you can certainly improve upon. Um, the other guy, Dave, that I would throw in there and more so attributed to injuries, but is Edmund Sumner. He's the most athletic guy on the team. I think he would be a huge boost to the bench, but he just was unavailable for most of the year and then fell out of the rotation. And then that leads a coach like McMillan to say, hey, you've been out of it. You're out of game rhythm. 
you haven't been in with these guys. I can't put you back in for the most part. So he's only played 25 games. Another guy that I, I loved coming in out in his draft and thought he had potential all-star type uh, ceiling. And the injuries have just really wrecked his career so far. Coming off the, you know, he had two ACL injuries. He had this hand thing. Uh, last year, what, what was the other thing he had last year? Well, coming out, he had an ACL and both yeah, shoulders. ACL. And but shoulder the end of last surgeries. Um, during summer league, he missed because of something odd that popped up in his foot. Um, his right yeah. knee has bothered him. He fractured his hand three games in. That's it. In Detroit. Yeah. Back home, by the way. I mean, just has really been out of it, which is unfortunate. But I still have high hopes for him. And if I'm the Pacers, I think you give it one more year. He's obviously under contract, so you're paying him anyway. I think you give it one more year. After that, at what point do you say, hey, we've given it four years. You just can't stay healthy. That's a tough decision, but one that has to be made. Well, you know, there's no reports, and, and you know this better than I would. Doesn't seem like he's hard to get along with. Nope, not at all. No, he's like you're gonna yeah. you're gonna fill that roster like end of the roster spots are four guys like this, and if he gets healthy, he's gonna be a player. It's just about getting him healthy. Yeah, because when he played, the the thing I really liked about him is his end to end speed. His shot really needs some work. I think he was like twenty five percent from three point yeah, range, but, but he's so fast. Yeah, and so long. But when he attacked, too often he was a step quick actually, and would knock over the defense. That's that's the area I'd love to see him um, work on this season. Um, wrapping up this kind of mini segment, uh, the disappointments, the one that obviously jumps out is, is first-round pick T.J. Leaf, who this was kind of a make-it-or-break-it year for him. The Pacers before the year picked up his option and now are probably regretting it. They tried to move him for his sake at, at, deadline, at the trade deadline, and there was just no market for him. Yeah, I mean, I just don't think he's an NBA player. It does surprise me because coming out of college at UCLA, he was a good shooter mm-hmm. and could handle it in his post. In fact, he prefers playing inside out, starting in the post. That's where he's most comfortable and confident at. But he gets pushed around defensively and has just lost all confidence, I would say, with that three-point shot to the point where he's not getting reps and he's not getting on the floor. It's just unfortunate because you hate to miss on it. However, you should note the Pacers generally are picking in that questionable range where you're, what, 17th to to 25th, but you need to hit on one of those guys um, every other year or something. But overall, I would say it was a good season for most of these guys, um, kind of outperforming any expectations that we had for them. Yeah, it was a good year considering all the struggles that they that they had with, with injury luck. It was good. <laughs> and with that said, they're, they're at 39 wins, and – projected to win 50 wins which is still more than they did uh, and each of and the I last couple years we're gonna make the playoffs <laughs> you and uh, Bontemps I think it was yeah I want to say it was Bontemps I, maybe Zach I really Lowe thought I thought it just I thought it was just gonna be too hard too much to overcome but we've just seen at least I, I just seen this too much from this Pacers team that they figure it out they cobble together a season where they're middle of the Eastern Conference now they need to figure out in this offseason, moving forward, how you go from good to great because it gets old. It gets tiring reaching the playoffs but getting ousted in the first round. Like, to what end? That's not acceptable, right? All right, the last thing I want to do is end this show on a fun note. We saw the NBA and ESPN teaming up for (laughs) something. We we need some kind of entertainment. We've seen um, some Pacers, for instance, like Victor Singh on Instagram Live. Miles Turner's answered questions on their Twitter page. Well, now they're going to do an official horse competition. 
um, with eight individuals involved, uh, including now Hall of Famer Tamika Ketchings, which is awesome for her, um, as well as Lawrence North High School product Mike Conley Jr. Ketch will go against Conley Jr. in the first round, which makes things interesting. But thinking back to this current Pacers group, Dave, if you had to select a Pacer or two, who would you feel most comfortable with going in and winning a, a horse challenge? Now, because I, I present this question, I'll go first because I've had some time to think about it. Okay. My top two would be McDermott and Warren. McDermott, number one, because obviously he's the best shooter, mm-hmm. has the best stroke, and generally I think you go away from the dunks and the the trick right. shots for the most well, part, and it's basically going to be about range. And then I also mm-hmm. trust that he has experience in these type of things, whether it's high school, a three-point shootout, whether it's in college at Creighton. I trust McDermott under the lights in this circumstance, I think. Yeah, I think dunks will be off the table. I think that'll be the general rule, dunks off the table. Um, I go T.J. Warren. T.J. Warren was my guy, and you said him second, so I, I know I'm on the right path here. Um, but I think the combination of, of where he can shoot from, and I have no doubt he, he has extended empty gym range, um, but the fact that I actually think he seems like a guy who does trick shots. He just seems like a guy who will sit down under the basket <laughs> and you know shoot the ball over the shot clock or something. Oh, I totally see that. How I just define his it is he's crafty. That's, he's crafty yeah. like that, and, he, and, and he's best where most people don't work on anymore. So if he did a 12-footer off the glass on the right wing, I mean, these are NBA players, but still I think most guys would be much more confident going from beyond the arc on the right, right arc instead, whereas he'd much mm-hmm. rather have that 12-footer. Right. And, and I, that 12-footer, by the way, as anybody who has played horse against their dad or an old guy at the gym, yes. you will know that little 12-footer, 14-foot bank shot, which I think T.J. Warren can hit. That's how you get people eliminated. It's either that or the way I cheat with my players I coach is uh, go to the free throw line. And it's funny you said that because on my list, fifth for me was Malcolm Brogdon, and I put dash, automatic free throw. Yeah. <laughs> Go to the free throw line. How, how many times did we all do that growing up? If you like, you couldn't get rid of a guy. You said, eh, "Let's see if he has the most basic shot." You mm-hmm. could you could do a layup or a free throw, and every once in a while, you would win that way. So I like if, your thinking there. If, if they couldn't shoot free throws, or if they could shoot free throws, I would just switch and start shooting them left-handed. You would be confident in doing that yourself. Yeah. Oh yeah, I can shoot. No, oh, I, I could not do that comfortably. I could yeah. hit like one of ten, maybe. I think lefty. No. I, w- I wouldn't yeah. feel good about that. Are are you relatively excited or care about this horse competition? No, or are you just I'm like, eh, it's something? <laughs> I'm not going to watch. This isn't for me. Honestly, I think kids are going to love it. Uh, it's going to be good for social media stuff. We're going to get some moments out of it. But this like this isn't basketball. So, no, I'm not going to watch it. Um, I'll hear about it when it's over with. And if something funny happens, yeah. I'll catch up. You know, I'll probably see it on Twitter. Um Oh, you and will I, see it because we have no other yeah. content. So the NBA, ESPN, Bleacher Report, everybody's going to blast right. it out. <laughs> yeah, but which, by the way, I I understand it, and I and I appreciate that the league is uh, looking for ways to keep people employed. You know, this is there, there's more to this than just we got to put some basketball on TV. This is going to help people stay in jobs longer. Um, so I, I do appreciate that they're trying to do something, but this isn't for me. Yeah, I, there is a creativity element out of it. But what we've also seen is we saw the 2K challenge, and 
I thought it was almost laughable that they chose Demonis Sabonis or he volunteered to do this because I'm not sure Sabonis even had an Xbox at his place in L.A. Guy doesn't play video games, it sounds like, <laughs> and this was like his second time ever playing, and he got totally destroyed. The best part about it was he at least clowned on himself. He's like, oh, God, I'm awful. Ooh, that's terrible. And the best part, I think you would appreciate this as a coach, Dave, is several times he, he blurted out for all of us to hear, how do you do a dribble handoff? Because, of course, <laughs> that's his bread and butter when he's actually playing. That's awesome. That's amazing. That's actually really self-aware. Yeah, you have to own it if you're struggling. And what we've also seen locally is uh, Fox Sports Indiana has done some 2K simulations in place of games. I don't have any interest in that. What I and this is the last thing I want to end with, Dave. Here, what else could be done? What what would interest the greatest audience? And to me, I think the NBA NBA does the best job of any other sports league in, of incorporating their ledges legends and of incorporating those guys from the past and and women now too as well so I think what I would like to see is a couple of things either re-watching you know a a special finals game with two stars there providing the commentary or just having a straight chat kind of I think like we've seen with NBA TV occasionally I forget what they call it where it's kind of just eight guys in a room discussing hoops and what it used to be. I think that would be more interesting than a 2K simulation or a little horse competition from someone's backyard. Probably. Probably. I like the idea of having guys, I mean, you know, get Steph Curry and LeBron James to commentate some of their finals. How cool would that right. be? Exactly. Basically, you're making experience. it a podcast. We've seen this. So, I mean, we even did it um, on the Athletic rewatching um, the 2004 conference finals, Pacers, Pistons, so, stuff like that. What if you know if we went back and had you had Rasheed Wallace and Reggie Miller commentate those games? That to me would be amazing. Yeah, why not? Just all about those individuals. Be willing yeah. to right, and especially if you've got like these guys had a shared experience. They played in a championship against each other and especially if you know that they get along which Steph and LeBron do who wouldn't watch it and you know those guys would love to do it you could even get I mean you don't just have to get you know the big names you could get like Draymond Green who I guess is kind of a big name you get Draymond Green would love to do it have Draymond and LeBron and uh, especially (laughs) have them do 2016 uh, game five or whenever he hit him in the the junk right Uh, like why not We've got we've all got all this time on my hand on our hands. People would watch that. I would watch that. I think that they would. would en- my alley. I think they would enjoy it as much as of we course. would. And they're on Instagram live. It's crazy. You, I'd look at Instagram at night now, and there's yeah. probably eight different people going live. Whereas a normal January, there's like one live feed. Everybody's bored. I think they would enjoy it. So, yeah, I'm with you. Well, they're dying without. They're dying without the attention too. <laughs> There is some Let's of that. Forget that. Yeah, yep. it's brand built, and that's why I kind of chuckled if you heard me in the background when you mentioned LeBron and Draymond, because I immediately thought of how they're both represented by Rich Paul, right? And the fact that I think they're both part of Uninterrupted or the part of LeBron's branding. So that would be within their family, right there. Yeah. So of course they would be on board. Absolutely. Very good, Dave. Appreciate the time, and I'm glad you're in a good spot there down in San Antonio. Always good to catch up uh, with you. Well, that will do it for this episode of The Fieldhouse Files. Subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, wherever you listen to your podcast to listen to new and archived episodes. And we'll talk to you again next week.